Hey, welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast podcast, where we try to broaden perspectives, but usually we just go off the rails. In this episode, we have Steven Martinez, a.k.a. Steven Adam. I'm going to ask you what that's about. <laughs> hey, Steven actually was a theme park performer, which I've actually been super curious about. I mean, obviously, I, I like going to theme parks, even even though the seatbelt and buckles don't always close on me. Um, <laughs> I'm a fan and I've always been very curious about them. So hey, I have the same problem with them seatbelts now. So, <laughs> well, we're going to get into all that. We're going to figure out what you're doing, what you, how, what you did. And I don't know. Let's just sit back, buckle up and let's go too hard, too fast. Boom. Let's do it. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Hey, welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. I'm Steven Martinez, a theme park performer, hashtag retired. Thanks for joining the show. Check us out where the drinks are too hard and too fast. And halfway empty. Whatever you think, Simon Cowell. <laughs> The podcast of the century. Just the right. <laughs> Steven, getting to know you first before getting to know what you did. And I say getting to know you for or, uh, because I feel like I kind of know you. You kind of know me. Yeah. Okay. So apparently we're friends. Uh, we're actually, we're fraternity brothers, but we've never That's actually enough. met in real life. I don't think we ever got the time to cross path but i've been friends with a lot of our uh well obviously i've been i've known our brothers for a while and the guy that hooked us up together berto he's been on the podcast he's a he's a good guy i like i love talking to him and he got us together i was like i just put it out there i was like i want to talk to anybody that knows a theme park performer and i don't even know that's the right word is that like a right word what would you call it that is the right term to use especially to Simon Cowell, because Simon Cowell thinks that theme park performers are jack shit. So, <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of a slap in the face to uh, us theme park performers. You guys really sing, right? Like the whole time you're really singing? Yeah, we do everything live. Um, there for a couple of the main stage shows, um, the big main stage shows, like if you go to Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, um, out there, um, the big, Theaters, Lone Star Lills. Um, since we can't have so many microphones live for 20 to, I mean, I think the maximum people we had on stage was 22, 22 performers. Not everybody could be on a headset. So for those, we will pre-record all of our vocals and then um, like all of our backups. And then whoever's singing lead, usually there are about 12 to 13 performers. Those 12 to 13 as leads will be mics, but everything else is usually live. Oh, so some of you, some of you are singing live, and the other ones are pulling a Ashley Simpson. Pretty much, the only <laughs> difference is we can actually dance. <laughs> Woo! Fire! Uh, fire yeah, shot! Actually, it, works out, <laughs> it works out to our benefit, uh, mainly because when you're on stage and you're going at a hundred percent, or as your heart, your uh, podcast too hard to, what is it? Too hard, too, too, hard fast. too fast. That's usually <laughs> the way, you know, the dances normally go. So you're giving 110%. And this way, if you pre-record your vocals, all you have to do is just lip sync along with it. So you're getting more of a hundred percent performance. And you don't have to worry about, you know, 
giving a cheap-ass vocal performance because you're already saying your ass off on a microphone. <laughs> well, I want to go back to that in a little bit because I feel like, well, there's a lot to unravel there. But so <laughs> going back to like kind of knowing you, are you originally from San Antonio? I am from San Antonio, um, uh, born and raised. And I ended up being relocated to the Houston area because of COVID. Um, so I'm actually in the Richmond Rosenberg area now. Oh, is that a fancy area? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know much about all no, I know about Houston is that I'm not a big fan of Houston. So I, neither am I. I sincerely apologize to those that are diehard Houston fans. I am not. Uh, I literally go to work and come home and that's it just because the drivers out here are terrible. The weather out here is terrible. Um, the only thing I like about it is I got a really nice apartment. That's really the only thing I like. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So uh, I'm going to do the San Antonio thing. Uh, right. What high school did you attend? I went to Holy Cross High School. I was out there for all four years. So, yeah, my Holy Cross night. Okay, we definitely have some too hard, too fast stories from there. Really? Okay. <laughs> There's plenty. Of, yeah, I, I mean, I've, at least I've heard too many too hard, too fast <laughs> stories. Um, no, I was, I was one of the good, the lucky few that were part of the not so crazy stories. I, because of how I grew up, um, I was never really, I didn't really partake into any of the sports or anything. Because I'm, you know, as a theme park performer, um, I, around the time that I was in high school, my brothers um, were already working at Six Flags. Um, so I wanted to be on stage with them. So I was at the park on the weekends. I was learning their, their track in case I could possibly go in. Um, so I didn't really, my high school career was really more extracurricular than it was curricular. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, we're going to jump into that. I jumped a little bit ahead of myself. What are you drinking? Uh, tonight we are drinking. Well, since I figured I'm going, I'm going to be telling some theme park stories. I figured I'd go back into my theme park world. Um, every Friday night and Saturday night when we were at Six Flags or working at Six Flags, we used to go out. Some of us would go out to some of the bars. Some of us would just go back to our housing. And uh, a lot of the guys would drink Crown and Coke. So tonight I'm just keeping it simple and we're doing Crown and Coke. Just going back, taking it back. Not bad. Throw it away. I haven't had a Crown and Coke in a long time. I am a fan. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of explain, you know, we, we want to, I want to get your take on what, um, what you feel about the Crown and Coke. Obviously it brings back good memories, maybe some faded memories. Yeah. Um, well, tonight's Crown and Coke. Let's just say, I can't believe I used to like it as much as I did. Because <laughs> it's, not, it's not hitting the same parts of the palette that it used to. That it used so to. So if I had to rate this tonight, it would be uh, not great. Not great. So let's say like a 1.3. Little... I'd say around there. I'd say 1.3 about there. It has its moments. Okay. It's, so it's... I brought this. Look, so. Usually, okay, I brought this beer, I, and I'll tell you the story behind this. I don't mm. even know how to pronounce it. I think it's Lefe. I, Lefe. I said that a little Spanishy, but I think it's supposed to be like Belgian. So Lefe, Lefe, Lefe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the story about this. But 
usually when I'm trying something new, <clears throat> and usually I'm trying something new, I usually bring a little backup drink in case, in case you know this thing sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're doing Crown and Coke. I have a little rum and Coke. Nice. And again, I haven't done rum and Coke either in a while, and it, you're mm. right, it doesn't hit the palate the same way. Doesn't hit, you know. I mean, I guess it's because I'm not as young as I once was. And even at that, when you when you think of Crown and Coke, when you're drinking it in your 20s, you're thinking, oh, this is for somebody in their 40s. Well, now I'm in my 40s, and it don't taste like a 40s drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know what this, maybe, I don't know what it is, but it's not hidden right. Right. I got to the... sip it. I got to let it sit for a little bit before I toss it back. And afterwards, yeah. it's like. You know what? I, where I think I messed up is I didn't put any ice in it. Ah, so it yeah, I had to put ice because I over poured. <laughs> That's the only way to do it. Too hard, too fast. Mm-hmm. So this thing, <laughs> I I have I have this hair product that I use. It's called Dove Men's Hair Paste. No, if you're listening, send them my way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I can't find it like an HEB. I really haven't checked Target. The only place I really find it is Walgreens. But they always have it locked up. And <laughs> if you know Walgreens, you hit that, that button good. for help, nobody ever shows up. <laughs> so I got tired of that. And I'm like, well, Amazon, let's see if Amazon has it. Of course, Amazon has it. And they do that. They do. If you order so much, you can get the two-hour delivery for free. So uh-huh. I was like, well, okay, let me get that much. I'm trying to see what I want. And I saw this thing there. I was like, oh, I can get beer delivered? Let me try it out. I've never had, and I've never seen it. So I was like, let's take a gamble, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm, I'm gambling right here. It's a blonde, apparently blonde Belgian L. Uh huh. Okay, let's see, blondes. Oh man. Okay, obviously blondes do not have more fun. No, I guess. Well, you know what I would. It's a brown bottle. Have you ever had Corona when it's skunked? No, I have not. No? Okay. So that's the thing I'm getting. Like, they say when it's a light bottle, like it's a glass bottle that just goes see-through, that the Uh sun hits it and it's supposed to skunk it. And I've had it and it's bad. (laughs) I don't know if this is just as old. It's a 6.6 alcohol, which is not bad. But the flavor is (laughs) weird. Maybe I will give it a one point four, and that's I'm giving it. I'm giving it for the one point or six point six. I'm giving it a little bit of points for that because maybe throughout the podcast it's going to taste better. We'll see <laughs> later. If not, it maybe it'll left the building. Left it, left it. I'm gonna left it. Cheers, cheers, cheers. All right, so back to it. In high school, did you like already have a passion for art or uh, theatrics and singing, performing? Oh, dude, yeah. Um, let's say, all right, so growing up in my family, um, I'm the youngest of four. So in my family, we grew up like dancing. You know, my, my, my mom or my, my sister's the one who started everything. She was a flamenco dancer. And uh, when she rolled everything out to, you know, going to classes and everything, my mom used to take all of us, all, all, uh, like all of us. It's like 
my brothers had to go to baseball practice and dance class was on the way. So I'd go and I'd see my sister and I'd want to do what she was doing. Next thing you know, all four of us are doing it. We're all dancing Pocorico and Flamenco. You know, Pocorico is, the, you know, that Mexican dancing. Um, and then Flamenco hey, is Spanish. Yeah. So I grew up doing that. Um, uh, can, I, I can, I, can I say something a little bit sleazy? Yeah, go ahead. So when I was a kid and I would, you know, obviously I grew up around all the Pocorico and things, as you know, you can tell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I I didn't know obviously what the dances meant and things like that. All I knew is that that w- woman is throwing her dress around all over the place, and mm-hmm. here's me doing this. Do I underwear? <laughs> Do I see underwear? <laughs> yes, yes. And then I, you know, a little bit creepy, but I look around. All the other boys. <laughs> So, you know, that's a little bit uh, a sleazy on my end, but I, you know, I don't, I don't know better. I still don't. I think I still do the same <laughs> every now and then. Uh, but no, like, obviously I grew up with it and I think it's a beautiful dance, you know. Yeah, man. And to be honest, when you said, you know, you don't know it, I'm going to be honest, when all of us, as we're dancing, as we're growing up with it, we don't even know what the hell we're dancing. We just know the title of the song. And you the know. steps. Yeah. So it's like the audience don't know that we don't know. As long as we're out there, we're, you know, we're fine. They're practically drunk half the time anyway. So <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, yeah, so so you, you did some dancing, you did the uh, folklorical, your whole family yeah. started up. I did. I did all of that. And then uh, my brother, when he got into his twenties, he opened up his own dance company. So me being his, you know, brother i ended up being part of the dance company i grew up with it to a point where um, we started doing our own main stage production at the arneson river theater downtown um is that the one that's open no that's la vita right or uh, well it's right outside la vita that's the it's the theater that's on the river walk oh okay okay okay. yeah so i grew up watching my siblings dance on that stage so in the towards the end of the 90s while i was in high school um while i just dated myself um, <laughs> uh, I grew up on that stage, you know, dancing with my brother's dance company. And then after a while, I became the director and the choreographer for that show. And it just, it, it, it was something, it was like a new taste that I hadn't had before. You were um, a choreographer. How old were you? Um, I want to say the first time I did any choreo for my brother, I was about maybe 16. How old? 16. 16. Wow. Yeah, but that was for the show. I was, I want to say when I was 13, I was already teaching beginners classes. So I was teaching on my own. Wow. Um, first time I got to teach and uh, teach for the show, I was about 16. Um, and then uh, towards the end, I became the director, you know, where I was, you know, calling the shots, like casting, putting the, the, the designing the costumes and collecting the songs, all of that. Um, but all of that was thanks to my background, because when my brothers were um, growing, when they were, like I said, they were at the Arnest Mirror Theater, but they also worked at Six Flags. There used to be a show at Six Flags before it was Six Flags called Festival Folklorico. And my two brothers and my sister were actually um, in that show in 1993. And I'm dating myself. <laughs> um, so... Th- so- before it was Six Flags, what what was it called? 
Because right now it's um, Six Flags it was, Fiesta it was, Texas, right? It was just Fiesta Texas. It was an it was an Opryland Park. So oh, okay. Opryland is in Tennessee. Um, so it used to be, I guess it was called Gaylord Productions, mm. out of uh, which was part of Opryland. Well, that's what um, Fiesta Texas used to be. It just used to be called Fiesta Texas, and then Did they already have the Looney Tunes. No, 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 no. I wore this just for you. Nice. Well, let's see. Looking at your shirt, I'm like, okay, I played one, two, three, four of those characters on your shirt. Yeah. Should I guess? Yeah. yeah go ahead. Let's see if you guess. Let's see. Taz? Yes, for sure. Bugs? No, I was too short. Oh, okay. Uh, Sylvester? Yes. Those two. Yeah. Da- Daffy? Daffy's the, the third one. One more. Uh, oh, actually, I don't think I've ever seen more. this guy. I don't think I don't think I've ever seen this guy either. Okay, so those are the last two. Okay, so it was Porky Pig and Yosemite Sam. Really? I didn't I didn't, I didn't see Yosemite Sam on the top. So I played all those characters. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, they didn't have the Looney Tunes. Did they have that theater? The you know the the Spanish theater. Yeah, Saragossa. It was, and the way you see it now is not the way it used to be. You know, there there did not used to be a center aisle. There did not used to be a stage in front of that stage. There used to be an orchestra pit that was, you know, in there. Like a lot has changed, but that's later on. (laughs) I'll get into that later. Awesome. Um, So I'm gonna give you all the behind the scenes of everything about Six Flags. I was out there for 13 years. That's what I want to um, hear. <laughs> okay, I want to hear all the nitty gritty. I'm going to give you everything. Um, okay, so maybe this is hitting in a different way. Yeah, I think that, I think what I've learned from doing the podcast is, you know, I it starts off bad sometimes, like, like this, did not like it. I won't mm-hmm. buy it again. Sorry if, you know, if they're ever listening, but it's getting a little better. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so um, 1993 was the year that my siblings were at the show. The show, Festival Fricotico, ended in 1995, and I think Six Flags bought the park in either 97 or 98. I can't remember. But my first year working at Six Flags was in 1999 with Patsy Torres. I don't know if you know who she is. I don't think I do. Okay, Patsy Torres is a, is a she's a really popular Tejano artist. You know, she's been around forever. Um, she used to be part of the circle with you know, um, Shelly Lattes, Esmeralda. Um, oh man, she, well, you know we just had Shelly Lattes on here, so if she's still, Shelly, I, I, if she's I know still Shelly. following us yeah. and she hears me that I don't know, she's probably gonna message me and be like, "Come on, bro, I thought we were cool." yeah no i love shelly she's actually really good friends with uh my best friend's sister so um i got to work with her um for a christmas production that he did at his church um and i was i was awestruck i mean she's she's wicked awesome Um, she's a little powerhouse vocalist i don't know where she keeps all of that you know and that little frame that she has she came on here and she took over the podcast and i was like i'm not gonna tell her no (laughs) yeah Let's see. So, yeah, I worked with Patsy Torres in 1999 and in 2000. Um, in 2000, I had the opportunity to audition for a main stage show because um, I forget who it was, but somebody recommended me to go with the audition. So I auditioned 
And they said, yeah, we want you, um, but just now is not a good time. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, I ended up getting injured with Patsy. Um, so I ended up leaving the group because uh, we used to tour and everything. Um, and I ended up going to school, which is when I went to Our Lady of the Lake. I went to Our Lady of the Lake from 2001, 2006. Um, in 2005. Well, I was there in 05. Really? Yeah. We must have come across, uh, I don't know, hazy days. We had to, yeah. Okay, so I left in 2006, spring 2006. Um, and the only reason why I left is um, I was part of the um, theater department, if you will. Like, I, that's what my degree's in or was in. Um, so my advisor at, that, at the time was Diane Malone. And I saw that you had Vic Trevino um, on one of your podcasts, and he was actually one of my professors. Yeah. Um, he was I'm, my I'm, professor, and he wouldn't admit it on the podcast, but... He hated me. <laughs> <laughs> I I admired his teaching style. His teaching style. Did I pass though? We won't say. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I learned a lot from him, and even like, uh, you know, when I used to do a lot of video um, video work, uh, mm -hmm. um, I used a lot of things that he that he taught me, and then even here on the podcast, like I try to use a lot of things that he taught me. Uh, especially to enunciate, but I don't really do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, going, doing, um, well, going to Arlita of the Lake, um, I, I want to say I was in, I was in my senior year and I went in for, uh, you know, you have to do your yearly meeting or whatever with your advisor to be all like, where are you going to be? Where are you going to do this year with your life? And she asked me, she goes, I just want to know, what is it that you really want to do? And I told her, I said, I want to, I want to perform, but I don't want to teach. And from what I'm doing here, it's like, this is to make me teach. And I'm not in that stage of life where it's like those that can't do teach right now I can do. So I want to do. And she told me she's got a, I became a teacher, by the way. Did you? <laughs> hey, I wanted to be a teacher. To be honest with you, like, that's what I was really going for my degree. in. I was going for theater and history for secondary education. That's what I wanted to do. But as I had been like working, I mean, going to the park with my siblings and like seeing everything that they did, um, I ended up getting a job at Six Flags in 2005. So um, I ended up leaving, or not, I, I ended up going full, from full-time to part-time at the end of 2005. Yeah. And, and you're right though, I, I, I wanna say the whole, you know, I, I, it's so weird, like I, when I became my first year, uh, when I was a first year teacher, I heard a lot of the whole like, because I think I was one of the first to just instantly right off, right out of graduation, I already had a job. Very lucky. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I don't know if it was just that or whatever, but I heard a lot of that. Well, those who can't do teach. So that's why, mm -hmm. you know, and so I heard that and it kind of pissed me off. But then I started thinking, it was like, well, Yes, I want to be a teacher now because I feel like this is a stepping stone and then eventually I'm going to do like I'm going to mm -hmm. I whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm because I went for special education. So everything I'm doing is somehow like to get later down the road, do something for special education uh, or the special education community, but not necessarily just be a teacher forever. Right, right. So there's a lot and, of that going on. Yeah, definitely. And 
the thing is, is like, I wanted to be a teacher because I was at a point where it's like, I felt like this was back in the day when I was still at the lake that I was all like, you know, I'm still young enough. If I'm teaching high school, I'll blend in. Yeah. The cool teacher and everything, whatever. So that's really what I was really doing. I was really vain about it. Um, but so when it came down to, I had already, um, I was, I want to say it was the year that I had to start my practicum. So that's when I got my, I, I applied for a practicum slash internship, internship at Six Flags because I already had a connection there. So um, when I applied, they were all like, yeah, we want you to be part of the costume department. And then they changed everything at the last minute and said, no, we want you to be a costume character. So this way you can learn the ins and outs of the entertainment department. I said, okay, that's even better, you know, cool. So uh, my first season out there, um, I was a costume character. And then my fo- the second season, um, I was a costume character, but I got to, pl- I was a swing. So I got to learn all the different characters. Um, and then I was asked to audition for Halloween um, to be a main stage performer. So that was in 2006. And um, this is when I had that meeting with Diane Malone. I think I said 2005, but it was 2006. 2006 um and she said, what exactly do you want to do and that's when i told her i said i'm at a, st- at a point in my life that you know i've been offered this great opportunity and i think that now is not a time for me to go to teaching i think i just need to do and she got up from her desk she walked around very eerily you know i was thinking i was going to get like a slap to the back of the head or something <laughs> she got up and she closed the door she walked back around to um her desk and she says See, I'm going to be honest with you. She goes, by the sounds of everything you're talking about, for what you want to do with your life, you don't need a piece of paper. And her exact words were, the piece of paper you need is a healthy resume, which means that I needed to go. She wanted, she pushed me to go to Six Flags to develop my resume. And this way, she, she said, she goes, I see you on Broadway. I see you on a Broadway stage or a main stage. I see you out there. So I'm, 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 I normally don't do this with students, but I'm telling you, you don't need this. Walk away, save your money. To which my response was, why couldn't you tell me this four years ago? I've already spent about a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and I have loans. Right. So um, I left. Um, I went to, so I am, I am 24 hours short um, for my degree. Um, but I mean, I, I feel like I made a great decision. You know, I, I ended up doing a lot at Six Flags. Um, I did everything out there. You know, I started out and I, I may be jumping the gun according to the uh, your, your agenda. And I, I apologize. No, but no, I you're good. Out- and also, like, I don't like I, you almost you kind of almost like try to like cast yourself in a net when you said I normally don't say this to students, but. On this podcast, I've said it a hundred times. I don't know how many times I've said it or the topic has come up. Like we, the way the college thing, like I, I don't know like how I feel about it. Like I'm so 50, 50 on it because yes, I feel like, yes, it's nice to have that degree to fall back on. But Mm -hmm. I know a ton of people that didn't go and they're doing great and are happy and you know, they didn't need it. And I don't think like, I don't think it's for everybody. I think people just need to figure out what, like you said, what they want to do and how to do it. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to talk shit about the, my, my college career because I had a great time at Early the Lake. Oh, me know? too. No, you're right. I mean, I wouldn't change my college career the fa- or I wouldn't change the fact that I went 
to college mm-hmm. for anything. Like I, I'm glad I did, but I just feel like I've seen both sides of the coin. Right. And I don't, I don't want to make, I don't want anybody to feel like, Oh, you have to, because you don't. Have yeah. To. Yeah. And what's funny about that is Diane told me, she's like that. I didn't need a piece of paper. The only piece of paper that mattered was my resume and no joke. It's the truth. Because I was at Six Flags for 13 years. Like I'm, I said that, I've already said that a million times. That should be a drinking game for whoever's watching this. <laughs> um, is Like I said, I started at the costume, as a costume character. Then from a costume character became uh, a swing. Then I became a street performer, a main stage performer. Um, after main stage performer, I became a choreographer, an in-house choreographer, director, um, I became part of production by helping with auditions and casting. Um, the only thing I didn't do was become a full-time. And I actually was kind of offered that on New Year's Eve uh, a couple of years ago um, to be part of the entertainment management team. Uh, my very good friend is still out at, uh, she's at uh, Six Flags Over Texas, and she wanted me to join her team. I don't know exactly what the, the position was, so I may be jumping the gun, but she wanted me to go work for her. But um because I worked out there for so long, I built up my resume. And from being a, a, a performer at Six Flags, I got to do Hairspray. I played Wilbur Turnblad in Hairspray the Musical. Um, I got to play Kevin Rosario in, in The Heights, Lin-Manuel Ronda's uh, first um, musical. Uh, I got to Which do... Which was great. I mean, I, I didn't see the musical, but I saw... The, unless I saw the movie... Does that the movies, it's got a lot of differences. I mean, but it still it still touches on the main core, which is you know family and heart and you know culture, the, the neighborhood and everything. Yeah. So I mean, it, it touches on the main the main concept. Um, but I, I go back to Diane, and I still credit her because because of her, I wouldn't be as happy as I am, you know, with the resume that I have. And because of all of that, and because of you know, all of the training that I got in college that built me up to have such a successful theme park career. Now I'm doing what I, what I love, which is I'm an event planner, but I am. And normally when anybody says event planner, they're like, but I'm an event planner that works for a management company. So I get paid well, I'm taken care of, but my main job is I'm the number two for my community. So I work directly with the community manager and I plan events all year round. I do events that are large scale, small scale. I'm on the microphone. I practically play a DJ. I'm hosting karaoke nights. So I'm using my entertainment background and all guess what? From what Diane said was I don't need that piece of paper that my, my diploma or whatever, or my degree, I don't need that. I needed my resume. My resume ended up being that catalyst to get me a certification. So to do what I do, because my resume, I got certified. And I didn't need to, you know, take classes or anything because my resume built up my certification. So I'm I'm very grateful to the relationship that I had with her back then to push me into this, this, the the field that I was in. Um, Yeah, so I may be, I may have taken a huge left turn no, but this is I'm, good. This is good because you you gave you gave you kind of gave me everything how you went through it, and now we can get into the nitty gritty and the behind the scenes of things. 
going back to performing, uh, how did you know or when did you find out that you can sing? Um, okay, so my second year at Six Flags as a costume character, um, one of the main stage performers, his name was Darren, um, he used to tell me all the time, he goes, have you tried singing? Have you tried singing? I was like, no, you know, I've just been a dancer my entire life. He goes, you can't just be a dancer. Like you're, you're, you've got, you know, the personality to do so much more. And I said, well, I can act, you know, I, I did some acting when I was in college and he's all like, well, if you can act and you can dance, you should try singing. I said, okay. So he offered to give me voice lessons. So um, I took a couple of lessons with him and then um, I thought, well, I'm okay. I'm, I'm pretty good. So I may as well take a voice lesson or two at the lake where I didn't have to pay for anything because it was part of tuition. So um, Jerry Soto, I, he's one of our brothers. I'm sure you know him. He's been um, on here. Yeah, he uh, he had a voice teacher um, called, her name was Ruth Moreland. Best voice teacher I ever had. Um, I went, I took a couple, I took, I, I took two semesters with her of voice and she's the one that told me that um, I need to pursue more vocal than anything else. She goes, you've got dancing already done. I've seen you on stage as within, within acting. I would maybe like take a step back from acting and concentrate more voice. So I said, I did that. Um, and then I auditioned at Six Flags um, after working with Ruth and Darren. And I ended up being cast as a main stage performer in 2006 for Halloween. Nice, so nice. because of just because one, one performer took a chance on me and just said, Hey, let's just see what you can do. That's what ended up happening. That's interesting and funny because um, I've joked around this podcast with everybody that like comes on that is a singer. And I always ask the same thing. The same question I just asked you is like, when did you find out you can sing? Because I can remember when I found out I couldn't sing. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never like bothered to tell the story. Like it's always just the joke and then, you know, the laugh and then we move on. But since you mentioned, you know, the voice lessons, I took a voice lesson with, you know, and I don't remember the guy's name, but, you know, he tried, he tried and he told me, you know, what do you want to do this? Why are you taking the classes? Is it just for the easy A? Because if you just want the easy A, then you don't have to even show up. And I was like, oh, that's what I can't sing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I get it. I get it. And then he goes, but if you're really trying to learn something, trying to do it, then I'll be here for you. And you, uh, you know, we'll keep working at it. You have a really good way of. I think matching tone or matching harmony. I don't know what, which one they told me. I think it was mm -hmm. tone, mm -hmm. but it just, I don't have it to where like, I can like just sing it out or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I asked me, well, what do you want to sing? I was like, I kind of want to be a country singer. You know, I want to try nice. Right. And he goes, well, let's try certain things. And so we tried certain country songs. Anyway, that whole conversation is when I realized I didn't, I, I, I didn't know how to sing or I couldn't sing. <laughs> and all my friends, in the dorm room that say, Hey, sing along to this. And they, you know, they were lying. <laughs> so let's get into the nitty gritties. The six flag. You won't get in trouble for talking about six flags. Fiesta, Texas. Listen, first off, you're talking to the guy that used to always be in trouble while I was there. Like the <laughs> entertainment manager, like he was so cool. Um, I worked under two different entertainment managers. The first entertainment manager that I worked under, his name was David Blazer. And he was great. He was a, he was a great uh, manager, a great entertainment manager. He pushed us all to be like our best. 
and then um, followed uh, following him, um, he retired um, in 2006 when I actually took over as not took over when I became a main stage performer. So I worked under the new entertainment manager whose name is Ben McTire. And he was all about building relationships and making sure that everybody had a great offstage, um, great offstage rapport, then and onstage rapport, or that, that everybody maintained professionalism, all that good stuff. That didn't last very long. Um, <laughs> because we used to dick around on stage. We used to dick around backstage. Everybody was constantly like giving each other crap. And, um, and I unfortunately became the the target not necessarily the target but back in the day um i used to be a really bad gossip queen you know like (laughs) like if i would hear something i would be like oh shit hey you gotta hear did you know about this so i would go and i'd i'd spill the tea if you will (laughs) um so i would get called into the office all the time and our entertainment manager had this very distinct voice and he he's he's he talked like this you know, he'd be like, Steven, I don't need you running your mouth. And I'm like, I, I'm sorry. And I was all I kept saying over and over. And over I'm sorry. just not whatever. So I'll give you one example where I went too hard, too fast um, <laughs> with, my, with my mouth. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's going. That's a different thing sometimes. <laughs> hey, you know what? This is how good it's good. I'm already going on the second one. All right. <laughs> Um, that's a whole other podcast anyway. <laughs> so, um, 2010 production that, that happened, 2011, um, I got asked to be a lifestyle director. I got asked to leave. I got injured in 2011, yeah. but I couldn't necessarily perform at hundred percent. So I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to look for a different job, whatever. So I had already left and she worked at the place where I was going to apply. Um, so I ended up applying, I got the job and I wanted to finish out my season as, you know, a performer for Halloween. And when I went to tell him what my schedule was going to be at the other place, if I could go ahead and just do some part-time stuff, whatever, he was just like, no, we're good. We're good. And he's like, you can just go ahead and call, like consider today your last day. And I was all like, all right, fuck. All right, cool. So <laughs> I mean, he was nice about it. I got paid for the following two weeks, you know. Um, but I mean, it was it was it was neither here nor there. So, needless to say, he thought he got rid of the gossip by getting rid of me. Turns out, I wasn't the problem, and he learned that in 2012, 2013, because when I came back, he he invited me to come back in 2000 for Halloween 2013, and. Uh, he asked if I'd changed. I said, I was never the problem. So um, I came back a different person. Now being on the director side, I knew what it was like to you know, know the secrets and have to keep the secrets. Yeah. So um, I told him, I said, you know, I apologize. I was young. I was stupid. You know, I've learned my lesson. That's not going to happen again. So lo and behold, 2013, I'm, I'm choreographing um, the main stage shows for um, Halloween and uh, no, that's yeah. Main stage shows for Halloween 2012. Sorry. And then in 2013, I was brought on to be the in-house choreographer. Like I choreographed the new Rockville show and the Looney Tunes show. And they brought in a choreographer to teach the country show. 
country show, she didn't do a really good job. So I had to reteach that country show uh, in a different way. Um, and I had to do it in two weeks. Normally shows are put together in like you have six weeks of rehearsal. I had to do it in two weeks and in between their shows. So that show's already open. So they're doing the shitty show and they have to learn the new show in between. shows. Oh, wow. Yeah. So those poor performers didn't get breaks. And then in 2015, I was all like, am I going to queer up again? Am I not? Whatever. Well, they decided they didn't need me. Um, so I'm like, all right, cool. Fuck it. I'm going back to my other job. I make more money there anyway, whatever. Was there, um, was it always like this? Was it all this like jumping around and thing, you know, moving around just, you know, your experience or a lot of people experience the same thing? Like a, a lot of us experienced it, you know, because the, the demographic, not the demographic, the, the, the feel of the entertainment department back then was like, we want everybody to be on the same level. We want everybody to be professional. We want everybody to this, but there was none of that. You know, they can say they preach it, you know, that we were all about this. We're all about that. Da, 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 da. But that's not what really what the case was. You know, and a lot was, of you, a lot of you, if not most of you are young. Yeah. Right? And nobody cared. Nobody cared. And, you know, me being going back to 2014, when I went in to be a, like a peon having to relearn my own shit, like I was like, you know, now I see where previous performers were when they were, because I mean, when you're at Six Flags, after maybe your fifth or sixth season, you're just there to collect a check, you know, so you're going to be as consistent as possible, not because you want to be professional, but because you don't care anymore. You want to get you know? paid. Yeah, you're just there to get paid. You're getting there for the, you're just there for the paycheck. What um, do a lot of, do a lot of the people there, like, do they have expectations that this is going to like springboard them into some kind of other like maybe performance job or singing job like some kind of career there is a lucky there is the small lucky few it's a small lucky few and sometimes they're the really really good good ones like that you're great backstage on stage awesome vocalist whatever and then sometimes they're the really shitty ones that you know are terrible off stage and they're they're mediocre on stage you know but they just have to build it's all about the resume and some of my great friends are currently performers on broadway on uh cruise ships uh they're in touring productions on stay on uh uh, broadway tours you know and they're all relationships that i've made and i've found um at six flags so they're part of that small circle you know um but i mean yeah, and so that's what like, that's what the curiosity comes in because obviously, um, you know, I've I've been going to Six Flags forever and I've been seeing the performances, and with having that that one time dream of I could be a country singer, <clears throat> and then um, seeing these people perform and they're like, I think for the most part they're good. Uh, are they lip syncing? Maybe I don't know. Some of them really like, you know, you can sort of tell, and then you can not tell. And I'm not a professional to be able to tell, but so I'm always like, well, the, my curiosity was, how do they get? How did they get there? Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, everybody has their own story. Mm-hmm. What do they want to uh, get from it, or is this like where they want it to be? And then. Obviously, also, it's 
at the end of the day, it's a job, and it's not an easy one. I mean, you're always doing something obviously athletic. You're mm-hmm. dancing uh, and singing. If you're the ones actually singing and dancing, that's a lot of hard work, and to be able to do it, shit, in the summer, almost every seven, what, seven days. You're, I mean, when you're a theme park performer, you are pretty much signing your life away for maybe nine months out of the year because you are, you're dedicated because you are, you're giving up your holidays because you're, you're performing on holidays. You're performing on 4th of July, Father's Day, Mother's Day. Um, you're up to Christmas Eve, you know, Halloween, all of the, all of the, the fun holidays, you're missing out on them, you know, but at the same time, it's training you because if you want to go on to be a cruise line performer, you're doing the same thing. You know, if you want to be a, ma- a main stage Broadway show performer, you're doing the same thing. You know, you're working on holidays. You're working, you know, you're missing time with your family. So it is a good, a good transition to get you from point A to point B. And to answer your question about, you know, what it takes to get there, it's drive. You know, because I'm not going to dog... I mean, Six Flags performers, you know, that was just my experience. And most people say that I'm bitter. Bitter, party of one, bitter. Um, <laughs> but it's it's just my story. And I just have to share my story every now and again. And yes, you know, it, comes, it may have a negative, you know, part in the center, but it's something that I learned from and I grew from. But to answer your question about how it happens, you have to go in with great mentality to audition. The audition process at Six Flags one of the most unique experiences that I ever went through. Like you go in and I have it, I, I can compare that to other auditions that I went to as well. But with Six Flags, it's more, I want to say it's more personal because you go in and you're literally airing your, putting your heart on, you know, the table for five people at a panel. And you only get to sing a verse and a chorus of three different songs if they let you. You know, so if you sing your first song and they're like, oh, I want to hear more, then you sing your second genre. If they like it, then they'll see your third, you know. But after all of that, then you go on to a, a callback, which is a dance rehearsal or a dance. So that's where they can see if you can move and how well you interact with other people in a high intensity learning environment. And they're really taking into account, you know, the relationships that you make with other people. Are you, are you following somebody? Or are you going to go ahead and pull somebody aside and be like, hey, teach me those last eight counts because I don't get it. You know, they're also taking into account, you know, the kinds of questions you ask, you know, the choreographer, because you are really learning about eight, eight counts in about 15 minutes. And then you have 30 minutes to go and practice it, come back and perform it. You know, and then if you do well from that, a small group is selected from there and they're given music to learn that day. And you'll learn that music and then you'll perform that music. And if they like you, you'll hear from them within a week or two. If they don't, they're going to deliberate for a little bit and then they're going to let you know whether or not you made it or didn't. For four years, I I went through that process and I was rejected four years. And every one of those years, I learned something new about myself. So on my fifth year, when I went into auditions, I made it. So you just have to have the drive and you have to take every experience and learn from it, ask questions, notes and figure out, you know, like, okay, well, I know why he made it because he was actually talking to the choreographer and learned that section, you know, or it's like, okay, when I got my music, I hiccuped on this part, but why did I hiccup on it? Oh, it's because I didn't rest when I was supposed to, 
you know, so you just have to take into those accounts and it's just all about drive and learning from experience and going on from that. You can tell if somebody's going to be, or if somebody's going to have a great tenure at Six Flags off of their first season. As somebody who was there for so long, I can, I mean, I've learned it. If they're going in and they're trying to soak in as much as possible to, to make themselves a better performer, to, to sing better, to dance better, to um, have great interaction with, you know, we call them groupies back then. Now they don't call them groupies, they're fans. Um, creating those kinds of relationships, like that's something that you can tell, okay, they're, they, they have what it takes to go on and have a great career they go in and they learn as much as possible and you can tell that they're going to do well and they go on and they make something better of themselves just from starting out at six flags. It's a great launching pad because they go in, they learn the business, they learn about themselves. They learn what it takes to be in production and they go and they succeed. So earlier you said housing and, you know, obviously you were from San Antonio at the time, but I'm sure a lot of people come from all over the place. Do they put you up? In a, in, a, in a place or you guys have to find your own place? Um, okay, so if you're in San Antonio, you don't get housing. However, there was a loophole for me. Um, the Six Flags motto is if you live within, if you live outside of 100 miles, you get housing. So I moved to Austin in 2000, a long time ago. <laughs> um, and I can't remember. Um, and myself and my best friend out there, we ended up getting an apartment and we were both pissed. We we're like, we're never going back to that park. We had a, a bad experience. That's not whatever. And because I, and I, I still say this to this day, because I wanted to be accepted by, because I know I burned him so bad. I wanted his acceptance. He called me and I dropped everything. Oh, you want me to be Mr. Peabody in Rockville? Yeah, I'll be there, but I need housing because I moved to Austin. Okay, cool. And he made it happen. And I felt like I was back in the circle. You know, I, I told my, my buddy, Billy, I was like, hey, dude, sorry, man, I'm moving back to San Antonio. I'm BP body in Rockville. And he's like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I, that's how I ended up getting it. Because I, I, I had a bad experience at Six Flags. And I was like, I'm never coming back. Oh, you want me to play Rock, uh, you want me to be in Rockville? I'll be there. I mean, just give me an apartment, whatever. And the housing at Six Flags Oh man, those were some of my best experiences of my life, dude. Oh man, I was in housing for two years, um, three maybe, four actually. Yeah, and it's apartments. Yeah, they're apartments. And okay, so um, the housing is around UTSA, Ooh, so it's so kind nice of like one. college. Yeah, there yeah. is kind of around like college, built like co- the college uh, dorms. dorms. So you go in, you have the upstairs and then there's four like rooms off of that. And then everybody shares a bathroom. There's two bathrooms, two bathrooms, two sinks, whatever. Um, But there's four rooms and that's the way it was, you know, and I had within my time there, I think I only had, I had two, I had two roommates my first year. And then my second year I had a full house. We were three roommates, Um, but it was like a revolving door. I constantly had somebody new. Um, But yeah, that's what housing was like. And depending on what our days off were, because Rockville are dark days. Dark days are when the theaters, there's no shows in the theater to give the performers two days off. So our dark days in Rockville were Mondays and Tuesdays. So Sunday nights, man, the freaking pool was hopping. Everybody from the Rockville theater, ushers, stage managers, performers, their girlfriends, their boyfriends, costume characters would come over. We'd freaking take 
coolers of like whatever we were drinking and we would be out there. There were a couple of pool fights that should have happened with other college <laughs> students. People were throwing rocks. Somebody threw a chancla one time and came back like a boomerang. Um, I mean, it was, those were some good times. So Sunday nights, we'd be all at the pool and then everybody would be all hung over. And then we're like, we're going to the freaking river. We're all going to float. All right, cool. So we all pack it into the car and then we'd be all sunburnt on, uh, on Tuesday. And we have to go back and do shows on Wednesday and like, Oh fuck, well, how are we going to get through this? Our costumes can't touch our skin because it's so freaking, it hurts so much. And then I got extra makeup on the faces and cheeks. Yeah. You got to put like, I mean, luckily back then the guys didn't have to wear makeup. Now they do. Um, because all these freaking LED lights, you know, freaking like you can see every pore in everybody's face. <laughs> um, but going back to those days where we would go to the river and we get sunburned. I mean, I'd have to put my, my partner on my shoulder. And, oh man, there were days where I'd have to put aloe vera on top of aloe vera because that shit fucking hurt. Those seams, <laughs> I would take my shirt off and I'd be bleeding because the seams of my tuxedo shirt were digging into sunburn. But like I said, man, those were some of the best days of my life. I mean, I was drunk as shit, hung over the next day, and I didn't care. I was getting a great paycheck. <laughs> right. So I'm not, not going into numbers, uh, and I'm sure it's different now. But let's talk a little bit of pay. It was it obviously housing was free. Housing was taken well. Housing was taken care of, but you had um, whatever you would use electricity or water wise was taken out of your check. Oh, okay, and then obviously groceries on your own. Yeah, groceries you were on your own. Um, but if you were smart about it, um, you would get somebody to sponsor you. Um, one of the fans or the groupies and they would give you like an HEB gift card like every week and you could go grocery shopping. And I mean, not to say that I would do that. I wasn't one of those fortunate ones, but we did have another one of my roommates. They were constantly giving him HEB gift cards and he was out, always out there getting stuff and he would get stuff for all of us. Was there room for negotiation on pay oh, or it was just yeah, like, no, dude. this is what it is. And that's it. See, that's how you knew which performers were going to be a-holes because they were all like, Oh, so I found out that you're making this much. Well, I've been here longer. I deserve that. So then they would go to the office. They'd be like, well, how come I'm not getting max cap or I'm not getting this much? I didn't get a raise last year or a raise the year before. And it's like, nobody understood the fact that, you know, raises were built on your performance level and your review. And if you have a really shitty review and you're really crappy on stage, like people on stage, you may have an amazing vocal, amazing voice. But if you're going on stage, you're just going through the motions, like, you're not going to get paid for that. You know, you're going to get paid right. for you know, the work that you do. Exactly. And a lot of people, a lot of people at Six Flags while I was there, um, they were, they would get paid what they deserved because they were brilliant performers. You know, I shared the stage with some great performers. And I feel from, I, I none of us really talked shit about our pay. You know, did, they ever, did they ever, like, trade you guys? Like, let's say I'm going to send you to... Six Flags over Texas or Some of any us other did. Six Flags? Some of us did. And, okay, so I'm not a sports guy, so feel free to laugh. This is where you can you can laugh and you can use this part of the promotion if you want because I'm not a sports guy. But, okay, so I compare it to the draft from what I know of the draft. It's not like certain managers will call and be like, hey, so I need a, I need a good girl singer-dancer. Who do you have? 
oh, okay, you have them. Okay. And they'd be like, well, I need a good dancer. And they'd be like, all right, cool. I'm going to send you this person. So then it'd be like a trade. And then when you trade, you're getting, this park is getting a badass singer. And then we end up getting somebody who had just come off the freaking sick bench. You know, <laughs> they, they can barely lift their leg, their knee up to their waist, you know? But I mean, yeah, that's, I don't, like I said, I don't necessarily know shit about football or anything, but that's how I consider it, you know? That makes a, that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. You know, some, some f- football teams get a shit out of the deal and they try to, I don't know, you know, it makes sense to me. <laughs> they would get pissed off. They would come in. Oh, especially when you would get um, uh, a venue change. That would suck. Cause at the end of the season, like you would have, I mean, you develop your own little family, you know, like I was in Rockville for six years. So I had my same station for changing I had my same quick change station. I had the same spot where I would put my microphone. You know, you run into your routine. And then same thing with Sundance, which was the country theater. It was the same. There were, there were six performers. I think sometimes they've been seven performers. And then the band. And then, like, there was one season that they were like, we're going to flip things up and change a whole bunch of shit. So they moved two country girls to Rockville and moved uh, one. I mean, they swapped two country girls from Rockville and country. They swapped um, the two male leads in Rockville and put one in country and one in Sangerfest, which was a food court. So people were pissed off. They were like, what the fuck, man? Like you're changing things. Like now we actually, because rehearsals used to be awesome at that point. You know, we literally go in and be like, okay, who remembers this? Okay, we're going to play the music and here we go. But then it's like, oh shit, now we got to wait for, we got to teach this to this person. We got to teach this to this person. So it's, there was a lot of sitting you think they did it to keep things fresh or that's exactly what they said like we were trying to keep things fresh you know when and that was one of the years that i started seeing things from an on the other side of the table and i'd be like i see it i get it you know like yeah we're flat like we're just plateaued right now we need somebody to come in and change stuff yeah, this person has played the same character for four years. We need somebody new to do it. Maybe they need a, you know, a country twang, you know, but that's what it did. And it, it changed things up. And what ended up helping was that was the year that we all ended up going to the Saraguasa Theater to um, do like a big main stage summer show where we would do it twice a day. So even though we had two new casts, we would go back and be all together again. Be like, okay, he's like, oh, let me tell you what happened over here. And like, this dude's fucking up your track or something like that, you know? Um, but that would happen, you know, you would have, you know, the trade that happened from one park to the next, or you would have parks that they would lip sync, it wouldn't be live singers. So they would ask our park to record vocals, and then they would be lip syncing to our vocal. Oh, that, dang. That happens. My friend Priscilla would do that all the time. She would go in and she'd be, she would do the vocal track for, I think it was a park in Georgia or somewhere out there. Um, but the thing is, is like when you become a, a, a theme park performer, you you end up signing um, this form that says that it's okay for them to use your likeness, your whatever, all of that. Man, this crown really hit because I can't really talk anymore. Um, <laughs> all good. <laughs> Yeah, so like uh, they they use all of that because you have to sign a piece a waiver. There it is. You have to sign a waiver to let them use your your likeness for commercials, for audio, for pictures, and everything. And I mean, there's still if you go to Six Flags today, there's a slot machine that's in the food court that I'm on like this. And people used to tell me all the time, they're all like, "You look familiar. You look familiar." I'm like, 
Yeah. Just come in from San Antonio airport. They'd be like, yep. I said, you recognize this face? And they'd be like, oh yeah, you were at the turnstile. You were at, you know, the, where, all the, the, where I got my luggage. Yeah, because that was me, you know? Dang, that's they, awesome. They would use our pictures. They would use our voices. They would use all that. And they would lip sync. Some other theme parks would steal, not steal, but they would pay for other theme parks to record tracks for them. Wow. Well, listen, I don't, I don't want to lose my season pass uh, over this conversation. <laughs> but that won't happen. They don't, uh, they don't do that kind of research. I know, right? <laughs> uh, as long as they get their money, they're good. Um, one thing I forgot to mention at the very beginning is uh, the other reason I feel like I kind of known you before. I actually was working at Six Flags, I believe, two thousand six summer of 2006 so i don't i don't know if you were already there or not i was there okay so i don't remember who it was it was probably berto that told me that you worked there and you were a performer obviously we never interacted i have no idea where any of the performers ever hung out at or where they practiced i never saw any i never interacted i was a stroller rental guy okay and wheelchair rental and all that like i was the the I started as a, ma- a normal guy and I became like the lead or whatever they called it there. Mm-hmm. And you went from a blue tag to an orange tag. Yeah. 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 And so it was pretty cool. Uh, I had fun obviously. Um, I was there all the time, but I think there was, I, and I remember there was a picture I took and it was on Halloween or fright fest at what they call now. And I took the picture, and somebody pointed out that's Steve. And so I probably, you know, if I go years and years back on my Facebook, I it's probably still up there, and you're probably still there. Your likeness is still there. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, so that's pretty awesome, man. 2006. That was my first. That was actually my first year in Halloween. So I, depending on the the venue you were at, I was I was in the streets of Rockville. I was a daddy, what we were called. So um, I, I used to play, I forget what my character was, but we used to be like the, the greasers. Uh-huh. Our, our face painted all white and my hair was very much similar to this. The only difference is not in a ponytail in the back. Um, and uh, then I did a show in the Sundance Theater where I played a, a, a dead cowboy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was, this was, I, I, don't, I, I feel like this was the year where they had like a lot of pyrotechnics and going on for Halloween. Okay, so... Yeah. That year was that was uh, that was Monster Mash Bash in Lone Star Lills, and I can tell you if you that, that was, was the big stage outside where it looked like an amphitheater, right? Yeah, that all was all right, all right. So 2006, my makeup was a spider web. I had a spider web on my face, so I used to have um, I used to get a, a spider paint all the way, and then it was uh, red, orange, yellow, and then red up on the top. So from far away, I looked like a target. But up close, it was a spider web. <laughs> if I find the picture, because I, I know somebody pointed out, I was like, "That's Steve." If I find the picture, I'm gonna pop it up on this on this episode. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, or I mean, like the connection, because I know, like I said, we didn't. I don't think we officially ever met, but we've we've been around. You know, our lives kind of crossed each other without physically crossing each other. Mm-hmm. Um. I think we've gone over a good while. And oh yeah. 
you know, feel free to edit out as much you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like I, I was saying, like I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I, like I feel like I what I would love. I already finished my drink. For sure, uh, I finished one half on the other, and this is going halfway down. It's go- this is a lot better. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I I want to reinvite you already to come back. Yeah, I, feel like I would love to come this back. conversation can carry on to a lot. We can have a whole other different conversation on what you're doing now and what that feels like now. So I would love yeah. to have you back, man. Yeah, I'll definitely. I'll, I'd love to come back. It was super fun. I'm really, really glad that I did this. Perfect, man. This I'm was glad too you hard, fun. too fast. This was too hard, too fast, too soon. It was too hard, too fast. Uh, not soon enough. We should have had this a long time ago. Yeah. Speaking of too hard, too fast, I want to ask you the famous last question. Do you, Stephen, actually, hold on. Why is it Stephen Adam on your social media? Okay. So this is, this is a story from when I moved over here. I got to take my glasses off for this. Okay. Oh! Um, when I moved over here um, because of COVID, I, I, the, the line of work that I do in San Antonio, I worked for a multi-gen community, which was people that were around my age, whatever, and younger. Well, when I moved over here, now I'm working with an active adult community. They were not happy of the fact that now they have to pay for an employee to come in when their building is shut down for you know COVID. So it's like, why are they paying for an activities director to come on and there's no activities? Little do they know that in the world of lifestyle, like I end up doing, I work the website, I work their live streams, I work their marketing, the communications, just activities just has to be in a little small little part, whatever. So one resident decided to look me up. They 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 uh Facebook stalked me, if you yeah, will. Of course. Um my social media, this is actually my second page, like my original page I had to disable um, because they went in and they ripped me a new one, man. They were, they were pissed off that they had to pay for me to come over here. So my Facebook page is linked, linked to my Instagram and linked to my LinkedIn. So one resident went in there, pulled my LinkedIn account and posted my resume for everybody to see. And on my, on my resume is you know, my personal phone number, my email my current home address, everything. So because of that, I had to change everything. And so that way nobody could find me. That's why on social media, I'm Adam. Adam Steve. Okay. So when I message you on messenger, it labels it as Steve, uh, Steve Adam or Steven Adam. But when I, yeah, your profile is Adam Steve. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. That's crazy. So that's just, that's just because back then my residents weren't happy. The fact that I came on board, but now they love me. They, I mean, it takes a minute for you to get used to me and uh, to, to see what I'm all about and see what I can do. Cause I'm, I'm told I'm a little bit of a lot. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a little much. So um, they, they, hey, they you wouldn't be a performer if you weren't right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've got pictures back here of, you know, when I was on, on stage at Rockville, a picture of me and the park president my last year. One of the, the, the coolest things that ever happened to me at Six Flags. I became the president the of all Six Flags or the president of Fiesta, Texas? The president of Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. Okay, okay. Either way, that's badass. Yeah. So um, I became the service superstar. Okay. Service superstar, as you worked at Six Flags, you know, it's like, you know, it's employee of the month for your department, whatever. So I was... Every year that I worked at Six Flags, I always wanted to be a service superstar. I wanted to be a service superstar so bad because I wanted the gold name tag. 
Well, I never got it. On my last year, my last season, I got Service Superstar. So that is that is my pride and joy. And I have my uh, my gold name tag and my entertainment cap framed in my bedroom. Nice. Um, but yeah. So that's like my one fun story. My not my one, my my major fun. One of story. many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All Aside right. So now it's time for the bitches. for the too hard too fast story. Uh, Steven, can you tell us or share with us a too hard too fast story? Maybe a time that you got way too drunk. Maybe a time, a cautionary tale, words of advice, whatever you feel like sharing with us tonight. All right. I tell you of a time that I went too hard, too fast in a show. Um, we used to do this one show um, at Six Flags called um, Ovation. And um, it was, it was just like a, whole, it was a, a series of, of songs and dances from Broadway shows and whatnot. And it was my, uh, it was my second season doing it, whatever. So one of the sections was an 80s section from Rock of Ages. And uh, it was this really cool like dance break and everything. And we had to wear this hair, you know, 80s hair, whatever. So I'm dancing my ass off. You know, I'm like, I fucking look great. I'm a rock star. I look (laughs) awesome. I'm super skinny at this point. So I'm like, and I had a cool costume on. So then I go, I'm like going at it hard, like harder than I'd ever gone dance wise. And I wasn't mic'd, so I could just lip sync, whatever. So I'm going at it, whatever. Da, 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 da. And then we get to the last eight count and I have to make it, make my way to my ending pose. And as I get there, I'm realizing, oh shit, I never moved the platform. I got to go move the platform. So I'm moving the platform up and then I hit my final pose and um, I sprained my ankle. Ooh. Yeah. So I ended up finishing the show um on my sprained ankle because i was in boots you know so you really if i'm dancing in clunky shoes or whatever yeah and it hasn't swelled yet so yeah so i'm I'm still dancing on it and dancing it's my it was my left one um so um how long how long were you still like how much show was still left oh it was like the last like it was just bows at this point so i get up i I mean my final pose was like i had to lean on my left my left leg and I had to put my hand out, whatever. And I had to put like you know, this whole thing up, just like straight up. <laughs> so, and all my weight is on my now sprained ankle. So the, the outro is playing. We have to line up and bow. And then some of us push the platform back. So I push the platform back and I'm telling the guys just to go around me. And I just stand behind the platform as the curtain comes down and I freaking lose it. I start crying. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Um, and then the guy that was behind me, his name is Garrett. Um, he's all like, are you okay? Like, I mean, I heard a snap and I was all like, what? So our stage manager freaked out because when she heard a snap or she heard that Garrett said a snap and I'm pointing at my ankle, she thought that I tore my Achilles and to get my boot off was going to be a pain in the ass. But they had to call EMS, dude. They had to call EMS to come and take me off the stage. At the end of the show, there's people in the house, whatever. It was the most embarrassing thing in my life. Did they come in straight through the front or like, was there like- No, they had to come from the back. They had to come from the back of the house. I mean, from the back of the theater. But if you, if you remember Six Flags, the, the, the medical services area has to drive underneath where the main crossway is. So everybody can hear the sirens. Everybody can, you know, know something happens. And then the back of Zaragoza is like, 
a pit. So like the lights are flashing and everybody can see something's going on there. And not only are they there to pick me up, but I can't change. So I have to leave the theater in my full 80s garb. <laughs> and I'm like, I passed out because of the pain. So I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. And then they're all like, we got to get an IV in him and this and that, whatever. And there's, they're trying to do it on the stage. The performers are still up in front of the curtain, waving at people, trying to get people out of the house, whatever. And EMS is in there, like trying to take care of me. And then screw they, uh, our, um, one of our managers, his name is Chase. He said, screw this. So he picked me up and he like carried me out to EMS. And uh, I don't remember anything after that because I blacked out of the pain because I, I was wearing um, motorcycle boots, you know, those big heavy toed ones how i danced in them i don't know to this day i think that's the reason why my arches are collapsing now um <laughs> but um yeah it's a time that i went too hard too fast and in a show and injured myself so much that i ended up having to be out um and i was one of the that was one of the, the years that i on my, in the other show that i was in that i was mic'd so nobody else could play my track because i was the only one cast to play my track so they had to reblock me in for six weeks so I could recover. Um, I had to go through rehab and everything. What does and that mean, reblock you in? Reblocking is when, um, okay, so when the choreography is set for a show and something happens and anything needs to be modified, that's called reblocking. So this way the show doesn't change, but anything that happens on stage, um, light, lighting wise or traffic wise, nobody collides with each other. Or, or anything like that. So it's just called reblocking. So this way, you know where to go um, and what to do, all that, all that good stuff. So for six weeks, I was reblocked. The worst part about it is my first week back in the show. I mean, I was, I mean, I was so excited to be back in. Again, I went too hard, too fast, and I sprained my knee. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't finish the season. So that's my too hard, too fast story. Too hard, too fast. I appreciate that story, man. That that's a painful one. I think that's the first really painful one. Like we've had some tough ones, but that's mm -hmm. true pain. Yeah, <laughs> it was. But I mean, the best thing about it is, and I will say this: that the entertainment department learned so much about me because, again, I was a problem child for my department because I was either always in trouble or I was always in health services. You know, something happened. You know, I was accident prone. I would fall off of props. I would, <laughs> um, sometimes the air brakes would go out in cars and I would fall through it. That something happened. I fell through a car. There was a time where I fell off the stage. Um, yeah, because I wouldn't, um, back then, I wouldn't wear my glasses. So that one of the guys at the show, would, he made a bit out of, you know, tapping the edge of the stage. This was after I fell. I fell off the stage because I, I missed the number because at the edge of the stage, there's numbers at the edge that would say center one, two, three, four. And it's in bright white letters on a black stage. Well, when you take these off, the, that, those are just like little orbs of light. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I was running down the stairs and I just went too fast and busted my ass. <laughs> fell off the too hard, too fast, baby. I love it. All right. So we've gone too hard, too fast. Steven, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sharing your stories as a theme park performer. Thank you. I still, 
we still don't understand why what's his name says theme park performers are you know looks down on him. What's his? I don't even the mean Simon guy. Cowell? Simon okay. Cowell. This is this is just my own general thought. I have a feeling Simon Cowell does not appreciate theme park performers because he thinks that theme park performers are just there for the job. And what it really comes down to is, yes, some theme park performers may be there for the job, but there are really some really talented people. And a part of me thinks that the reason why he thinks that is because he was probably one of those that auditioned to be a theme park performer and got cut. I can see that. And I can see that. And you know what? There's like people, hardcore music performers, you know, that are in mainstream media right now that are just there for the check as well. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, yeah, but the thing is, is like, I can't necessarily dog those that are, you know, I mean, anybody in any profession that are there for the check, because I mean, they did their time, they paid their dues, and now they're just doing it because, and it's not just because they're there for the check, they could be there because they're a fan favorite, you know, like I'll use Ellen Pompeo from Grey's Anatomy. She wants the show to end forever, but her audience doesn't want her to go. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I, you got to look at things from different perspectives. And that's one of the reasons why I feel like I learned a lot being out at Six Flags, leaving and then coming back because I got to see things in a different light and appreciate decisions and the why they were and why they were made. Um, so yes, I may have been bitter in the past, but I'm not bitter now. It's just my story and I have no shame, you know, sharing it, you know, because in the end, the park wasn't a jackass. I was. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it, like I said, and I'm glad that we're connected, man. Uh, Likewise. So I would love to have you back, like I said. And I think there's you plenty, of stories, plenty of stories to tell. So yeah. with that said, uh, social media, are you sh do you share that out? Yeah, sure. You want to follow me on social media? Um, I'm uh, Adam Steven uh, on Facebook, and then it's itz underscore me mi underscore steve on instagram perfect and i'll put it here i'll put it in the description check them out uh connect with them and you know what hit us you know hit it hit the like button i don't say this very much but hit the like button and hit the subscribe because too hard too fast we need to go too hard too fast straight to the top yes do it like and subscribe like and subscribe. We can go too hard, too fast, and fizzle out, but we're just going to make it to the top. <laughs> <laughs> but no, hey, remember, Jerry be you, Jerry be weird. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>